Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, the weekly webzine for the Global Church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. My essay this week is called Our Work in God's World. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, June the 11th, 2017. This week, my wife finishes her 22nd year as a public school teacher. I'm so proud of her for so many reasons. I've always viewed her teaching not just as a job, but as a calling, and even a sacred gift to our community's civic life. Similarly, our three children attended public schools and then large public universities. Across those years and in those settings, they tried to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. As Johnny Cash put it in his song, A Boy Named Soon, in the mud and the blood and the beer. In his controversial new book, The Benedict Option, Rod Dreher argues that the cultural war is over and that Christians have lost. He says that Christians should secede from mainstream culture. We should turn off our smartphones and watch only movies and television that are consistent with Christian values. Christians should take their kids out of the public schools. I respect Dreher's decision to homeschool his own kids, but not his generalized advice to all the church. Every family, child, and parent is different. We all have different opportunities, constraints, backgrounds, experiences, interests, abilities, finances, geography, and so on. We shouldn't presume to advise every believer based upon our own beliefs and choices. In Matthew's Gospel for this week, Jesus tells his followers to spread his good news to all nations, Matthew 28. Mark's parallel passage is even more emphatic. We're sent into all creation. And in Luke's sequel to his gospel in Acts 1.8, Jesus sends us to the ends of the earth. In the reading from the first pages of Genesis, God calls us to tend the garden and till the earth, to be trustworthy stewards of the gifts of creation that are given to all people. For the most part, the church has commissioned a separate class of people, missionaries and clergy, to fulfill the so-called Great Commission of Jesus. But there are some churches out there today that are experimenting with new ways to think about our sacred callings in the so-called secular world, or, as a friend of mine likes to put it, our secular callings in the sacred world. At Central Presbyterian Church on Park, and Park Avenue in New York City, Pastor Jason Harris commissioned some of his congregation to their sacred vocations of secular work, finance people, lawyers, artists, health care providers. He wants to bridge the gap between sacred and secular callings. In this view, virtually all callings can be sacred vocations. Similarly, Pastor Ryan Vady of Bellevue Presbyterian Church in Washington has done four such commissioning services. In the back, 
in the backyards of Microsoft and Amazon, he blesses his parishioners and has them stand to explain what they do and why they do it. It's an effort to affirm the sanctity of work. Pastor John Tyson of Trinity Grace Church in New York describes how Steve Garber of the Washington Institute of Faith, Vocation, and Culture challenged him. Garber said, There are people who labor all week long, and you bring missionaries up front and you pray for them, and you commission and send them out. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing if you could take the people and send them into the city of New York that you love so much, so that they felt like missionaries to their own industries? Since that challenge from Garber, Tyson has started a new practice. Before he preaches, he has a parishioner from a specific vocational sector come forward. For example, a teacher. Then he has people in the congregation who work in that same field to stand up. They are then blessed to fulfill their own unique commission. After one such service, a teacher remarked to Tyson, that was the most powerful moment in my entire church life. Thank you. I have a friend in my church who's a corporate attorney. After the book Lean In, Women, Work, and the Will to Lead by Sheryl Sandberg, she joked that she wanted to write a Christian and countercultural response called Lean Out. It wasn't that she so much disagreed with Sandberg's message, but rather that at her age and stage, and in a world that defines work and success in narrow ways, she was interested in other aspects of life, like care for the poor in her pro bono work. But just recently, my friend took a new job at a new firm, where she's the leader of the firm's pro bono and women's initiatives program. So, once again, she's leaning very much in, by choice, and being a presence of God's kingdom in her workaday world. And let's not forget all those who work inside the home instead of outside, more often than not without pay, more often than not women rather than men, some by choice and others by necessity. They, too, have a sacred calling. My own three kids have taken three different vocational paths, law, big pharma, and finance at a megachurch. I like to joke that they have effectively prevented me from making jokes about three workplaces that often bear the brunt of sarcasm and criticisms. In the end, every call to love the world is uniquely personal and deeply sacred. And so we remember the prayer of Jesus to God his Father in John 17. They are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For books this week, I review a novel called The Course of Love 
The author is Alan de Botton, New York, Simon and Schuster, 2016. The protagonist of this novel, Rabbi Khan, was 15 when he experienced the first pangs of romantic infatuation. Even as an adult many years later, his crystal clear memory of the girl at the hotel swimming pool was emotionally resonant. And then, quick as a flash, she was gone forever. Romantic love is a powerful force. It's an assumed narrative in our Western culture. Mutual attraction is the main way that we meet a life mate and then try to build a marriage. But in life, as in this novel, that's a setup for failure. By the end of the book, 15 years and two children into his marriage with Kirsten, Rabbi has learned that trying to sustain a solid marriage based upon romantic love is a recipe for disaster. De Baton explores what it's like to be married for the long haul after the blast of romantic love is long gone. We know how love starts, but we've given little thought to how it grows and endures. Rabbi and Kirsten married when they were about 30, but then what? Like almost every marriage, they will experience what de Baton calls the real love story. That is, they will suffer, they will frequently worry about money, they will have a girl first, then a boy, one of them will have an affair, there will be passages of boredom, they'll sometimes want to murder one another, and on a few occasions, to kill even themselves. We would do far better to appreciate how normal it is to find it difficult to build a healthy marriage. That's because marriage is a hopeful, generous, infinitely kind gamble taken by two people who don't yet know who they are or who the other might be, binding themselves to a future they cannot conceive of and have carefully omitted to investigate. No person or love is perfect. No one can possibly meet all the needs of another. Romantic love, in fact, can be very selfish, for it's mainly a quest to find rather than to give love. And an enduring love will only happen when we learn the transcendence of oneself for the sake of another through virtues like sympathy, kindness, and compassion. Which is to say, love is a skill rather than an enthusiasm. And after all the hard work, there's a genuine sense of gratitude that in this imperfect world, good enough is good enough. The author of this novel, Alain de Baton, born in 1969, is a Swiss-born British author who's written some 15 books, most notably the bestseller, How Proust Can Change Your Life, 1997 although this is his first novel in 20 years. My only disappointment with this book is that now in my, to my 60s, he leaves his characters Rabbi and Kirsten when they are merely in their 40s. They have even more lessons and skills to learn. Once again, the title of the novel, The Course of Love.
For movies this week, I review the very generic-sounding The Lego Movie, 2014. If you would like to watch this movie for a family film night, be careful when you search for its very generic title. There are now about 40 Lego movies when you consider theater releases, direct-to-video, short films, television series, and television specials. And there are sequels queued up for 2018 and 2019. Big surprise! This iteration of the tried-and-true formula features a construction worker named Emmett, who, if you believe the so-called prophecy about him, is the special one. He leads the charge against the nefarious Lord Business and his bad minions. It's Emmett's task to find the piece of resistance to foil the bad guys. The conformist Emmett also has a romantic interest in Lucy, a.k.a. Wild Style. But in what sense is Emmett special, or the special one? Therein lies the children's lesson of this particular Lego movie. As usual, there are puns aplenty to keep the adults interested. Rotten Tomatoes has given the Lego movie a 96% rating, with the conclusion, boasting beautiful animation, a charming voice cast, laugh-a-minute gags, and a surprisingly thoughtful story, the Lego movie is colorful fun for all ages. Critical opinions aside, the film has earned almost $500 million worldwide. From the year 2014, the Lego movie. And in the spirit of the season of Pentecost, for poetry we posted a poem by Hildegard of Bingen. Hildegard of Bingen lived from 1098 to 1179. In an age when life expectancy was somewhere around 40, she lived a life that was remarkably long and incredibly productive. The title of this short poem is simply called Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, bestowing life unto life, moving in all. You are the root of all creatures, washing away all impurity, scouring guilt, and anointing wounds. Thus you are luminous and praiseworthy, life awakening and reawakening all that is. Hildegard of Bingen, Holy Spirit. You can find that on our website in our poetry archives. Thank you for joining us at Journey with Jesus for Sunday, June 11th, 2017. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.